welcome to the Confident Feminine Body Podcast, a place of healing and transformation in your relationship with your body, food, and fitness. I'm your host, Elizabeth Marbury. I'm an intuitive healer and coach and founder of our Confident Feminine Body Program, where I help women build their self-worth from the inside out, free their voice, and love the sexy skin they're in without diets, deprivation, and self-sacrifice. Think of this podcast as your empowering and fun self-love guide, where you'll get real-time advice and tangible tools as we navigate this body and food freedom journey together. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Confident Feminine Body Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. She is a person that maybe she doesn't even know this, but I have looked up to her for so many years. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because it's just like funny to see my hair or someone talk about me like that. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's like, you know, I've been stalking you from afar for years and I've been <laughs> listening to your podcast forever. So today, you guys, I want you to meet Summer Inanen. She is a professionally trained coach. She specializes in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and she helps people all over the world to stop living behind the numbers on their scales through her private and group coaching at summerinandin.com. She is also the best-selling author of Body Image Remix and creator of You On Fire, an online group coaching program dedicated to helping people get free from body shame. She is also the host of Eat the Rules, a podcast dedicated to anti-dieting, body image, intersectional feminism, and empowering people to live life on their own terms. So welcome, Summer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Yes. And I found Summer actually through her podcast, Eat the Rules, and that's an incredible podcast. So if you, if you haven't checked it out, definitely go check that out. But before we dive into our content today, Summer, can you tell us a little bit of your background and your story and how you got to this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So, you know, my story is probably pretty similar to a lot of people that you work with too. And that I never remember a time where I felt comfortable in my body. And, um, you know, I experienced a lot of body shame when I was a kid, I was just never really a confident kid and I was bullied for my body. And, and my mom was a chronic dieter and constantly, you know, talking about her own body in a negative way. And, and so I just kind of grew up believing that, you know, there was something inherently wrong with, with my body and that, and that my worth was dictated by my appearance and how I looked. And, and so that led me to start dieting at a pretty young age. I think I was around like 13 or 14 when I started to kind of dabble into it. And then, um, it became more severe as I got older. Um, you know, because once you lose the weight, you always gain it back. And then you feel like you have to kind of double down on what you're doing. And, um, I spent decades uh, as a chronic dieter, just kind of going through the motions of restricting and then binging and repeating and never, ever feeling like my body was good enough. I think I maybe had like one moment that lasted three seconds where I looked in the mirror and I was like, I actually like the way my body looks Um, after all, like all that effort. And I remember just like sitting there one day and I was 
literally entering in the number of cherry tomatoes I could eat into a, an Excel spreadsheet because I had this Excel spreadsheet that I used to fill out with like the food to fit it within like a certain um, framework. And I remember thinking like, am I just supposed to like keep doing, like, am I going to have to just like keep this up? And, and I was in such denial like I didn't even want to face that reality that I just, but I remember that fleeting thought of just like, am I going to have to just always do this? Like, I don't know why, but for some reason I thought well, once you get to the weight that you, your goal weight, then you can eat normal. And it's like, that doesn't work at all. Um, and so I, uh, yeah, I mean, that was just one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? But also I can't stop because I, this is all I know and I can't even imagine stopping. And, um, and I had a really, really disordered relationship with exercise, like more well, food as well, but exercise, um, was really like my main kind of coping mechanism and tool that I would turn to, to try to manipulate my body. Cause I felt like it gave me like an even greater sense of control, false control, but control. And so it wasn't until I was in my, you know, my like early thirties that I was, um, I just started to like, just not really feel like myself and was going through a bunch of hormonal issues. And I just could not lose weight. Like I remember I did this cleanse and it was, I didn't eat solid food for a week and I didn't lose a pound. Like, I think I either gained a pound or I didn't lose a pound. Like it was one or the other. And I just remember being like, what is wrong with me? And I thought there was something wrong with me. Um, and I was really into like wellness, quote unquote, at that time, I was constantly to like trying to figure out like, what was the one like missing nutrient that was going to help me like figure this whole problem out and problem being my body. Um, and so what happened was, is eventually like along the way, I ended up going to see a naturopath because I was like, something was wrong with my hormones. I hadn't had a period in six months, which is a big red flag. Um, and, uh, and she looked, but I was in, I wasn't in like an underweight category. Like I had some doctors prior to that who had said, well, it's not like what you're eating, like your, your body weight is fine. Like, or not fine. They actually would just say like, there's no way that you have like, um, whatever it's called, hypothalamic amenorrhea when your period stops because of food restriction, because my body was still presenting as like, um, what would be considered like quote unquote normal, um, on the BMI scale. And so, um, anyways, that's kind of going a bit off topic. I finally found a naturopath who was able to like really look at my hormones and she was like, you have the hormones of a postmenopausal woman. Um, from all the chronic stress. So all the, um, you know, like just restricting food and pushing myself way too much physically and, um, and just kind of running at like 150 miles an hour all the time. And she was like, she looked at the food I was eating and she's like, you don't really eat carbs and you're doing like all this intense exercise. She's like, we need to stop all of that. Like we need to stop that. And I remember just like crying, not because my hormones were so messed up, but because she was telling me that I couldn't like keep up these things that I was doing. Like I was so upset that I had to like stop going to CrossFit and, uh, and that's when I really kind of realized, I was like, I think I have a problem, <laughs> you know, like this isn't normal. Cause I honestly thought everything I was doing was normal because I was following like all these other kind of like 
paleo influencers and all that stuff. And, and, and so I really just thought everything I was doing was normal. Um, and so that was kind of like this, like wake up call moment for me when I realized like, okay, something's really wrong here. And so I took that time, like I really took my healing seriously. I really did want to heal my hormones. I really did want to feel better. And so I followed all of her directions. I completely stopped going to the gym. I started to like slowly give myself permission to eat more foods. And, um, and I should also mention, like, I was a nutritionist at the time. So I was working in that space of trying to help people with their own food. Um, and specifically at that time, I was like helping women with, with weight loss because I was so fixated on it. Um, and so in going through like my own kind of awakening, we'll call it where I realized like, oh my gosh, like all of this is really rooted in how I feel about my body. And eventually I found intuitive eating. I think after like, uh, several months of, of kind of trying to, you know, I sort of found my, I found like Janine Roth first, and then I eventually found intuitive eating. And, um, and I just was like, oh my God, like this is like, this is what's going on. Like, and the problem isn't me. Like the problem is the way I feel about my body. And that's really the catalyst to all of this is body image and the way I feel about my body. And so I started to kind of transition just how I was working with clients and stopped, um, doing weight loss and, and all that stuff. And, um, ultimately realized, like, I really loved the working with people around, uh, body image and, and specifically like looking at it from a bigger perspective, which is just our, our own sense of self-worth. Um, and so that's when I did a couple different life coaching trainings and, and, um, that really gave me kind of the perspectives and frameworks and tools to be able to then specifically shift and, and get away from any, doing any kind of like nutrition, um, and specifically work with people around, around body image and self-worth. Cause that's just where I, I love to, I love to help people. And so for my own healing, you know, it took a while, took probably like a year or two to really get to a place where I felt just so much more comfortable in my body. Cause my body went through a lot of changes when I stopped dieting and which I think is pretty common. And I had to do a lot of like kind of that messy work to figure out, you know, why I felt this way in the first place. And um, fortunately I was very well supported through that. And so that was very helpful. Wow. It was a bit longer than I, <laughs> that was a bit of a longer story. <laughs> I don't know if no, that was okay. That, I love hearing your story. I think, I think every time a woman can share her story, it heals another woman because I think so many people can relate to that, that, that roller coaster of dieting and then just, just feeling like I'm doing all the right things. I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to be doing. And yet I'm not losing the weight and I still don't feel good in my body. And something must be wrong with me because it seems to work for that person. And yeah, so I applaud you for, for getting the support. And that's amazing that you found someone that could steer you away from what you were doing. And what was that like when she was like, okay, you're going to stop working out. You're going to stop. Like what came up for you when, when she first asked you to do that? I, I think I was like terrified. I think I tried to probably negotiate a bit. I was like, well, what about like, what about this? Like I was trying to like negotiate and she was like, no, like, like nothing that raises your heart rate up. She's like, you literally need to rest as much as possible. And, um, and so I, uh, but yeah, I think I was trying to just, you know, I was just so terrified. And I think that was it. I was just afraid of like, what, what, what was going to happen to, you know, to me. And, and it was such a coping mechanism for me to that, you know, that I used to kind of just suppress emotions and suppress like other stuff going on underneath. And, um, 
and it was like someone just like just taking that away right and so it I, I was just like really upset about that and and which I should have been more upset about the state of my body and my hormones. Um, and while I, I was as well, cause I did take the healing seriously, but I was, uh, yeah. I was, and I was just like, what? Like, I just couldn't believe that um, what I was doing was wrong. Cause I really just thought that was what I was supposed to be doing. Like, that's just like you said, like you see other people and you think, Oh, that's what I should be doing. And that's how I should look because I'm doing those things. And it just wasn't. And how, confu- how confusing as well, because you're doing all the things because you're trying to be healthy and yet you're getting more and more unhealthy and your hormones are being, you know, mm-hmm. metabolism's getting destroyed. And so I would love to talk about the body image piece, because I know you said it's heavily tied into self-worth, but I think a lot of people are still confused about body image. I think a lot of times when I, when I ask someone like, how, you know, what do you think of your body image? They're like, well, when I look in the mirror, I think I'm attractive or like people are still kind of hooked into this idea that body, having a positive body image is like looking hot and feeling sexy. And like, which usually in our society implies I'm thin or I'm, you know, it's like I'm young looking and, and Mm -hmm. so what can you, unpack for us like what do we mean when we say body image like what is body image and having a healthy body image yeah I mean I think like if you were to just google it it probably does say something along the lines of like having a positive view of one's image (laughs) you know like that is kind of what it says but I really look at it as like you know, a negative body image would be uh, holding a lot of negative thoughts about our body and um, having that really kind of define how we feel about ourselves as a whole, right? Because here's the thing is that like, we can have negative thoughts about ourselves. We can look in the mirror and think, I don't really like the way I look today, but we can still feel really great about ourselves as a person. And I think that that's kind of like the part where people's brains explode because they're like, what do you mean? Like I can do you, like what <laughs> and they're also like terrified they're like I don't really want that like I want to look in the mirror and like what I see but so having a positive body image I think is is more about you know reducing the negative thoughts that we have having more neutral feelings towards our body and just not letting it dictate like how we see ourselves and our value and getting to a point where you can kind of like look in the mirror and maybe like what you see or not but be able to like go on with your day know that you're good enough know that you're a worthy individual and like be really kind and compassionate to yourself and feel confident in what you do and say um and I don't think you have to like think you're hot to do that. I don't, (laughs) um, you know, I think that like the, the, it's just, that's the way we've been conditioned to be because we've been conditioned to think that our appearance and in particular, like our desirability as women, um, dictates our worth. And we've been conditioned to look at ourselves through the lens of the male gaze and think, you know, how do I measure up and how, you know, how should I feel about myself based on all of these external things, instead of really looking at like who we really are. And I mean, the reality is we're all going to age out of the beauty game. Like we, with it's happening to all of us. Um, 
And, you know, I don't want my self-worth connected to that because it's a losing game. Um, it can be taken away from you <laughs> at any point in time. And so you're putting your hands in like in other people's opinions and the, and all these external measures. And, um, what I want for people is to be able to kind of like reclaim their power and reclaim their sense of self and just know who they are, feel comfortable in that. And maybe they end up liking the way they look as a side effect of that. And that's cool too, <laughs> but it's a different kind of relationship. It's not like liking the way you look by measuring up to the the standards of society's beauty when like checking off those boxes it's different than that it's being able to really just see who you are yeah I totally agree it's it's a sense I remember in college for me that's when I was struggling with disordered eating and it would now be called binge eating disorder but that term didn't even really exist back then but I remember just feeling that like that's that it was a coping mechanism I love how you said that and it was a reflection of, I felt my worthiness was so dependent on all of these external factors. So I was going to school for dance and I would go and audition for a show and I didn't make it. So I wasn't worthy. I wasn't good enough. And I would go to the club and if I got, I go to the club and if I got, you know, <laughs> oh, all know. guys like up in my grill, I was like, oh, I'm so hot. I feel so good. And then, but then the flip side of that, no attention, no boyfriend. Okay. Now I don't feel so good anymore. And like, just keep, I mean, it just keeps layering on. And so I totally, I I'm, I'm with you. I feel like the work is coming back into our truth, which is that we are we are worthy of love. We are worthy of respect. And it has nothing to do with our appearance, our bank account, our relationship status. And so if someone is, if someone is listening to this and they're thinking, okay, that's like, I intellectually get that, but I don't know how to stop comparing myself to other people. I don't know how to stop, oh, you know, go riding that emotional roller coaster when, you know, I get a lot of likes. I feel good. I get no likes. I feel bad. Like there's so many different measuring devices that we have of our worth in our current society. So what are some first steps that people can take if they're wanting to build that, that confidence and connection inside and no longer kind of be on that, that worthiness roller coaster? Yeah. I mean, it's like, there's so many things. I think the starting with just some of the like fundamentals and basics is really looking at like, what is like, what are the external things that you're comparing yourself to? And what are the, what are the external things that you're using to define your sense of worthiness? And like, let's start with changing those. So, you know, that's why um, I often might always have people kind of get rid of their scale, get rid of, you know, other sort of tracking devices that they use to, um, really just look for validation and look for something outside of themselves to tell them how they should be feeling about themselves. And so getting rid of um, those types of things is like one of the biggest kind of upfront changes you can make. Same thing with like getting rid of, you know, the clothes in your closet that don't fit you. And because that's just like a constant reminder that the body that you have isn't good enough or like you should be in a different body. So you want to start thinking about, thinking about it from a bigger perspective, it's like, what are all the things that are in my life that are kind of feeding this negative narrative? And so, you know, the clothes that don't fit, the scale, the Fitbit, the me like measuring tapes or whatever people you, what your people are using. Um, and then looking at like the media that you're consuming 
like it's I think I probably mentioned this to you and like one of the other um, times we talked is just you know I will work with people for a long period of time and then I'm like what's one of the biggest things that helped you on your journey and they will be like changing my social media and I'm like that like out of all the recessions together no (laughs) (laughs) you should have done that on your own (laughs) I know obviously it's deeper than that but um but it's just it shows how significant a change that is and I think it's like you know if we're constantly looking at people that don't um that that are like in smaller bodies if we're looking at people that represent like the beauty ideal then we're polluting our brain that that's the norm and then so we're constantly looking at that and thinking how do I measure up and so if we can um you know get rid of anything that doesn't make you feel good even if you think it's like a body positive account if it doesn't make you feel good like unfollow it and really follow stuff that does make you feel good and that does open up your mind in terms of body diversity and showing you people in bodies that are the same as yours or large and larger than yours especially um just living their lives and doing their thing and so that that can help to change like the beliefs that you have about your body and so those like really simple yet huge (laughs) changes can make a big difference for, for people, um, in the beginning. And then, um, yeah, I mean, from, from there, it's, it's really about kind of changing the way that you speak to yourself and being really compassionate with yourself. And, um, I mean, there's like, I could just go on and on and really understanding like what truly gives you a sense of fulfillment in life and all this other stuff, but that's kind of like the fundamental, the fundamental basics there. And, um, Mirror checking is another one I think is kind of like one of those sneaky ones that we do. We, we mirror check because we're looking for validation and, and um, I will always have people just kind of come back to like, how are you actually feeling? Like before you look in the mirror, like what are you really feeling and trying to get in touch with like the, what's actually inside of us instead of looking for all these other external things to tell us how we should feel. Um, and then starting to give ourselves the validation that we, that we need, you know, we're, it's never going to be satisfying if it's coming from external sources. We have to give that to ourselves. Mm, I love that. Yeah. That, that tool of when you find yourself kind of berating yourself in the mirror or the fixating on a certain part of your body and your brain is going into that negative spiral. That's definitely a tool that helped me shift. My perspective was just to, first of all, observe and be aware of when I was doing that. Like there's that, it was kind of this broken record. Every time I'd look in the mirror, there would be this one part of my body that I would see and I would fixate on and I'd grab it and I would have, you know, all these negative thoughts come up. And I think, so being aware of that voice, and I know we've talked about the inner critic before, but it can be helpful to just, you know, call it the inner critic or even label it. I had told Summer in a previous conversation that when I was struggling with disordered eating, that voice that was really berating my body, berating me for the foods I was eating as foods I wasn't eating the exercise I was doing the exercise I wasn't doing. I called that voice Edgar. And he was just this, like, he, I I drew like a picture of him and I, and it, it really helped me to disassociate and not attach to that and, and not feel like that was me. And that, 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 that wasn't my truth. That was, that's a part of me. And um, there's a reason that Edgar was there and it's not that Edgar ever fully goes away, but that Edgar doesn't have to drive my bus that day, but getting back into the mirror checking, what I would do is when I started to obsess over a body part, it was usually, and I've heard you say this before too, 
is that we use our bodies as a metaphor for what is happening in our lives or in our emotions sometimes, right? So a lot of times if I could pause and notice, okay, wow, what am, what am I actually feeling in this moment? Okay. I'm actually feeling really, really anxious about my work, or I'm feeling really, really um, disconnected from my partner. And I'm feeling extremely lonely in this moment and being able to identify and unearth that feeling and just even giving it that space. It really helped me to um, realize that it wasn't my body. It's not, it wasn't that my body was the problem. The problem was that I was just like ignoring what feelings were present with me. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. No, it's like, um, that's something that was like one of the more mind blowing things that I read when I first got into, um, like reading more about this stuff. There was this book called like when women stop hating their bodies, which is a really old book. So I think it's probably got some, you know, stuff in it that's hasn't really aged well, but, um, it was by, um, Jane Hirschman and Carol Munter, I think their names were. And that was the biggest thing that they taught was that like, you know, we use our bodies as like a, a metaphor for the stuff that's going on in our lives. And so, um, and I just remember that like blowing my mind. Cause I was like, Oh my God, this is so true. Like whenever I had a bad day, um, it was really because I was experiencing these other emotions that I wasn't comfortable processing. And this gave me a sense of control, you know, it's like our bodies get, uh, it feels like something that we can control and can give us a sense of like hope on a situation. It's like, okay, well, if I just fix my body, then like that, at least, at least like that, that'll be good, you know? And we think it's just going to make everything else kind of fall into place. And, um, it's just simply not true. <laughs> and I think that, um, it's just the, it, it is just one of those things. I think that's why when the pandemic started, I had so many people say to me that they were like, their diet thoughts were like really firing back up and they were having these urges to diet. And I think it was because like the world felt so uncertain and out of control. And that's kind of like the go-to coping mechanism is to like, you know, go and, and fixate on your body. And I will still do, I will still, like, I will still do that. And not as much. It's only when there's like significant life events, like when my dad died or when like, I, you know, recently kind of lost a pregnancy at 14 weeks. And like, I like, I will, like, I just find myself like fixating on my body and body checking again. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, oh yeah. Like I'm experiencing kind of these like, heavy levels of emotions and this is just giving it's giving me that like you know sense of control again and so um yeah it's such an important thing to pay attention to 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 just start to notice you know like what else is going on in my life what am I really feeling um and it's always about you know the meaning that we've attached to our body too it's it's not just about our body there's like there's a real deeper kind of meaning and and fears that we have that are associated with the way we feel about our body yeah Yeah, I totally agree. And one of the things that I know you talk a lot about, and I'd love for you to, to elaborate on is, so we are both in the anti-diet space. And a lot of times I think there's a misunderstanding when people say like anti-diet, they think it's like an Mm anti-health and that always blows my mind. But can you unpack that for our listeners? If anyone is concerned that if they're not dieting, or I also feel like a lot of women say to me, Oh, Elizabeth, I don't diet. I'm not, I don't diet, but I don't eat carbs and I don't eat 
after seven o'clock ever. And I don't, and they list off like 20 food rules that they have, but they're like, but I'm not on a diet. So maybe you could kind of unpack that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think like anytime we are doing something to kind of control and manipulate our weight, like it's a diet, like plain and simple. If the outcome is trying to control your body size, trying to control your weight, then the, it doesn't matter like what it is that you're doing. It's a diet mentality. It's a diet, it's a diet behavior. Um, you know, maybe somebody who like has major digestive issues and can't, doesn't want to eat before bed and like, so stops eating at seven, like they might be able to do that. And it's completely disconnected from their weight. Like that does that's, there's nothing associated with them for that. And that's a health intention and that's okay. So that's where I think there's a bit of confusion. It's like anti-diet is really just about removing weight loss as the intention from our health decisions. And the reason why we do that is because like, there's just so much um, misinformation out there about, about health and weight. And I'm certainly not the expert to talk about that. There's a lot of amazing books like body respect by Lindo Bacon is usually the one that I refer people to, um, to learn more about like health, health and weight. But um, just coming back to your point about like this idea of that, I think it's just, we've been conditioned to believe that if we're not dieting, then we're going to eat like every, everything and just live off of like pizza and donuts. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with eating those things at all. And there's nothing wrong with if that's all you do choose to eat because it's your body and you get to do what you want with it. But, um, you know, we, the only reason why we sort of feel that way is because we've been conditioned to believe that like we can't trust ourselves and like we don't know our bodies best. And, and we, so many of us have had that trust cut off from like a very young age. Like as soon as we start dieting, we really kind of, we're no longer trusting our own bodies. Right. Um, and sometimes that's influenced by our parents. If they like really controlled our food, like, you know, when I was a kid, we had nothing with sugar in it in our house. And so that's a whole other like segment of my story. But anyways, it just like I, there was that kind of body trust was cut off at a very young age. And I think that that's common for a lot of people. So we don't even believe that we can trust ourselves. So we, um, of course we think, well, if I'm not dieting, then I'm just going to eat, like, I'm never going to eat anything that's like quote unquote healthy. Um, but when we really look at it, like what we're doing when we're dieting is we're restricting, we're doing things from a place of shame and punishment and deprivation. That's not healthy, <laughs> you know, like making choices out of fear, making choices out of um, shame. Those are not healthy. And so when we can like remove that and really look at it, like I want someone to make choices out of trust. I want someone to make choices out of respect and compassion for their body like, then you're going to end up choosing things that make you feel good. And how that looks for you is totally individual. Health is like very nuanced and super individual and not an obligation. Um, but it's, you know, if you think about it from like, that's the shift, I guess, people, I want people to make is that, you know, anti-diet means anti-shame, anti-deprivation, you know, anti-fear. And it means that you're pro-compassion and pro-respect and pro-kindness towards yourself. And like, I think if you think about it from that perspective, you know that you're going to like, you're going to take care of yourself in a way that works for you. Yeah. It's pro listening to your body, listening to your body's wisdom, your body's intuition and learning how to trust yourself again. And that's possible no matter how long 
you've been dieting or no, how, how disconnected do you feel from yourself? If you wish to, if you wish to connect deeper and listen, our bodies are designed to know what to do. And, you know, it's a process too. I, I know I've heard you say that many times too. Like if you've been, as you said, with your story, it took you a few years to, to really get back to a place of feeling like you could be trusted. And I think the other point too, when I was listening to you speak is dieting, it, it really, for it reinforces that wedge between us and ourselves. So it, it really, it wants us to believe that we can't be trusted, that we need to rely on these external sources. So yeah, when we say anti-diet, it's, it's about creating healthy and sustainable practices that serve you because you are the best guru of your body. No one else knows how that food is going to feel in your body or how full you are. You, if walking feels good to you or running feels good to you or swimming feels good to you, it's like, it's, it's, I find that just specifically with the movement piece of it, if I can find things that actually feel good in my body that I enjoy, I'm more likely to do them. And then I feel good and I have energy and and that that's coming from a very different place than where I used to be, which was, oh, I just had, you know, I just ate this thing. Now I have to go run four miles because I have to punish myself for that. I mean, it, to me, it's like, it's freedom. It's, it's a, it's a sense of just trusting yourself again. So yeah, it just clears up all the mental clutter, right? Like all the mental gymnastics that you're doing and beating yourself up and like shooting all over yourself and, and everything else. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like, and health is, is so much bigger than just, you know, food and exercise, like the, you know, our mental health and like emotional health. And, you know, sometimes the healthiest thing you can do is eat a bowl of ice cream and sit on the couch. Cause that's going to feel really good and, and be like a really enjoyable experience. And I think also, you know, just looking at, instead of looking at things through such a black and white lens, like really blowing it up and looking at it from a much broader perspective of your overall well being is important too. Yeah, I agree The the binary thinking is where we all get stuck when it's either this or this it's like, yeah, there's a lot of freedom when you're not in that place. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about body acceptance because I've heard from a lot of women. There's this fear of if I accept my body at the size I'm at today, I'm just going to let myself go. So I would love for you to speak to that. Yeah. I think that that's like, when I really dig into that with people, I think so much of that is like a fear of, of judgment. Like that's really driven by this fear of like, what are other people going to think of me? Um, but it's, you know, I, it's so common again, it's kind of rooted in the same thing that we were just talking about this idea that like, well, if you're not following all these rules, like then, then you're not going to take care of yourself. But I think it's about really defining like, what is, what do you want taking care of yourself to look like? Like, how do you want that to be for you? And helping people see that, you know, you can have that and, and do it from a place that's like coming from enjoyment and pleasure and compassion, not from this place of, of, um, you know, like fear and, and deprivation. And like, really, like, if you think about like letting yourself go, like really what you're letting go of is you're letting go of, of like, giving your power over to assist to a system that's only made you feel like you're not good enough. Like you're letting go of, um, 
doing things from a place of punishment and deprivation, like you're letting go of shame. (laughs) And so I think it's just hard because we've never, um, uh, like we don't have a blueprint for our lives in that way. Like we don't have a blueprint for taking care of ourselves in a place that like, you know, comes from, from care and respect. It's always just been from this place of, um, you know, like wanting to kind of change who we are. And so that's why I think it's just, it's kind of like, we don't really know what's going to happen. Like we're, we don't really have a blueprint. And so that's why I think listening to other people's stories is really helpful to just hear over and over again, how people are happier, how they have like a lot more mental space when they do practice acceptance. Um, it's just, it's often easier to stick with what you know, than to jump into the unknown. And, uh, and that's, that's a common, that's a common fear that I, that people tell me when they first start working with me. But, and then again, just coming back to this fear of judgment of like, what are other people going to think of me if my body changes, or if I'm not like, you know, ordering a salad at the restaurant or whatever. And, and that's where, you know, you just have to start to kind of get in touch with, you know, your own autonomy and what you want for yourself and what's really more important to you than other people's opinions. Um, and, and like, what kind of life do you want for yourself? Like, do you want to be 80 years old and still thinking you need to, you know, cut carbs or not eat the cake or go, you know, run <laughs> like five miles or whatever, like, you know, cause there's just no end game. There's no end game to it unless we decide to, to put a stop to it ourselves. It's not going to happen on its own. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree. And where do you, so, so many women, I mean, not just women, but people in general struggle with this and, you know, comparing ourselves to others, just so much of this being worried about what others think. And I'm wondering even just our obsession with our bodies, our obsession with wanting to always fix them or change them or make them better. It, it, it does feel like an obsession for for that's celebrated kind of in our society of like, well, what are you doing to improve your body this summer? You know, it's just like, there's, Mm -hmm. there's this societal element of just like, always like, well, what are you doing? And are you, you know, and so where, where do you think that comes from? I mean, that's like the, the, (laughs) that's the patriarchy, (laughs) you know, it's like, get, get them busy, get women busy on like all this stuff. So they can't like actually excel in their lives and do amazing things. Right. Um, (laughs) you know, like, um, uh, Naomi, uh, Wolf has that quote of, uh, Oh my God, I'm like totally blanking on it, but, um, uh, dieting is the most potent political, um, suppressant or something like that. Like essentially just saying, you know, like by, by by having women like focus on beauty standards and dieting, like it's like, think about all the mental real estate, like, like imagine what would be possible if, if we weren't doing that, if we weren't investing our time, our money, our energy into that, you know, like collectively, we probably (laughs) would save the environment, you know, or like something bigger than that, because, um, and that's not to say that like, we're not measuring up as women. I'm not trying to say that at all or make anyone feel bad. Um, but it really does take away our, our power. And so it is bigger. That's it's, you know, it's, it's strategic. It upholds the systems in our society that keep certain people in power and others, 
um, oppressed. And I think that, you know, I'm hopeful that that tide is starting to, to change a bit. And I think that when you kind of go through to the other side yourself, you realize like how much time and energy and, and money you get back and that you can like spend that doing more purposeful things. I mean, that's like one of the most rewarding things about the work I do is like kind of hearing what people end up doing, like whether it's, you know, I've had a client that went on to like start selling her art and where she wouldn't even pick up a paintbrush when we started meeting. Um, or I had another client who became a foster parent and like another one who went to volunteer in a rape crisis center. Like, it's like, you know, you start to see what, what you're capable of when you're not dieting. And it's like, it's so cool. And you realize like the, you know, the potential for just like a cultural shift when more of us are doing that. So it's much bigger than just like having people accept their body. It's like, having them reclaim like this time and energy so that they can do like more purposeful things with their lives. I, that kind of went off on a bit of a tangent, but it was a good one. No, you are, <laughs> this is my favorite thing ever. This is my favorite thing ever. Cause I, I love that because I, I agree. It's like how much more time and energy and money would, would we all have to go do the thing that lights us up. And when we're doing the thing that lights us up, it's going to serve not just us, but everyone around us. So I, I love that. I love that so much. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I know we don't have a lot of time. Um, and this might be a really big question, but I know that you are a fairly new mama. Is your, is your child too? He, he'll be three in September. Yeah. He'll be three. And I have a almost five-year-old, almost eight-year-old. So I'm in the mama boat with you and that's <laughs> holy cow, that could be a whole nother episode, (laughs) but I'm just curious if you could share any piece of how motherhood has impacted your relationship with your body, or if it's brought up some things, or if you've learned some new things as a mama that you want to share with our listeners. Yeah. I think, you know, it's funny. I was just reflecting on something the other day, but, um, I think that, um, you know, I, I feel like my job as a parent is to like love him for who he is. And that that's our job for ourselves too, (laughs) you know? And like, it's amazing how, when like there's parts of ourselves that like being a parent is kind of like seeing a mirror on your own insecurities and your own bullshit. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even ask if I could swear, but anyways, (laughs) Um, but it, it is right. Like, and so, you know, sometimes if I see something like I might compare him to someone, like if I see another kid that can like do something that like he can't or something. And I start thinking like, we like, did I do something wrong? Like, or he should be able to do that. Or like he should. And, I, and I'm like, Oh my God, do not put those shoulds on him. Like, do not put your fears, do not project your insecurities or your shoulds onto him. Like you got to love him for who he is. And then also like, treat myself that way too because that's how we all deserve to be treated but it's just like this kind of like um uh reminder and like iterative iterative lesson that I keep going through like anytime I sort of think that about something about him or like what are people gonna say about him if he has toenail polish on you know what I mean like he's only three so they're probably not gonna say anything but like if you know do you know what I mean like there's just oh my stuff. god Summer, <laughs> I can I can relate to this right now so my son he like I said he's almost five and he loves wearing dresses he loves wearing high heels he loves wearing necklaces he loves carrying purses he loves all things princesses and it's interesting he's been in this space for for years now. And we thought at first, like, oh, this is just a little phase. 
and it's, it's hanging on and we, we are open to wherever this is going. And I'm grateful that this little person came to our family where no matter what, where he goes, like he will be loved and accepted. But I realized that in him wearing a dress as a five-year-old, I can see it. Like I can just even feel the energy of others and how it can bring, it can make other people uncomfortable. And then as a mama bear, I'm like, I want to like protect him or I want to, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because I I'm, I'm trying to hold space for him to be who, who he is. And again, we're not assuming it's anything if it's a gender identity issue or if he's just into dresses, like whatever. But, um, but it is, it's, I feel like being a mama, it just, it, gosh, it's a whole nother level. I, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but it's the sense of like, I want to protect, I almost feel sad. Like, I feel like a sense of, I think most of, most people will accept him, but then I'm realizing already as a five-year-old little boy, that discrimination starts with Mm -hmm. these little, little kids. And so I love what you're saying about as moms, we can, our job is to love them for who they are. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do that. I love that you said that's our job for ourselves. But it's hard to do that for your kid if you're if you don't have any love for yourself, isn't it? Well, yeah, and it's like you project your fears. Like it's like my fear of not being liked gets is going to get projected onto him, you know. Like and that's and so being able to like identify that and see that and like hold back and be like, well, what is the lesson that you know I need him to learn that not everyone's going to like him and that 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 that's okay, right? instead of trying to protect him from like other people judging him. And so it's kind of like, it's tr- it, like, it totally like exposes your own vulnerabilities and your own like insecurities and stuff that you're still like always working through. Right. Um, oh my God. Thank you for connecting those dots for me. This is my summer as a queen. Is, yes, you're totally right. And that has been one of my shadows that I am that I'm still working through as, you know, a recovering people pleaser perfectionist. I always did want people to like me. I didn't want to disappoint anyone. I didn't want to upset anyone. And so, wow, you're, you guys, Summer just coached me. (laughs) But that's it, (laughs) right? Coaching. And so then you have to think about like, what did I, what did I need to hear when I was that age? Like, what, like, what do I want? You know, because you can't protect them from the world. Like there's just going to be, they're going to be, judge they're not going to be accepted by everybody and how to make them okay with that and okay with themselves through that versus like yeah trying to like you know take down everyone who doesn't even though you want to do that too but it just helped yeah like I mean it's like this like it's like this expose into your own psyche (laughs) and that's the part that's like you know my guy's only three so I haven't even scratched the surface of it you know he just, you know, he's only really starting to like, kind of get into more bigger, like emotions. Um, but I know it's coming, (laughs) you know, and you're in the thick of it. (laughs) Oh, I I'm definitely in the thick of it right now. I'm like, Oh, here I go. You just learn as you go. But yeah, it definitely brings up, it brings up all your stuff, which I feel like I used to be afraid of all things that are coming up. And now I'm just like, it's another opportunity for me to grow. (laughs) Like it sounds so cheesy, but I really see that. And 
I see that any of my struggles or any of my, you know, hardships are just opportunities for me to do more work on myself, you know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And if you can see it that way and as a gateway to healing instead of like this burden, then, um, that's a, I mean, cause you're always going to have that, like, like my need to be liked, I'm always going to be vulnerable to not being liked. Like always, there's always going to be a part of me that's sensitive to that. And like, if I can like welcome that and accept that and be aware of it, instead of trying to like make myself bulletproof to it and put up all these shields, then it's just going to be a better way to live your life. Yeah. I love that. We could go on and on forever, but (laughs) we will close for today. So if people want to follow you, if they want to learn more about working with you, where can they go? Yeah. So everything's at summer in and com. but, um, if you can't spell that, you can also just go to the body and that redirects you to my website. I have a free 10 day body confidence makeover there. And then, um, yeah, link to my podcast, which is called eat the rules and, um, and then different ways to, to work with me as well. Yeah. And we'll be sure to put all of those links in the show notes. So thank you, Summer. This was such an honor. I loved talking to you today about this stuff and I hope I can have you back again for another episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. You're welcome. I'm Elizabeth Marbury and I want to thank you for listening and hanging out with me today. Join our free community of brave soul sisters who are crushing it on their journey to body love and food freedom by going to confidentfemininebodygroup.com. That's confidentfemininebodygroup.com. And be sure to download my free gift while you're there. I'd also love to hang out with you on social media. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Elizabeth Marbury. I am sending you so much love today and always. See you next time.